Take my intro and put your name in. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are not interchangeable. Right, so my name is Jacob, and I'm a full-stack web developer, for a day job, that is, and a productivity enthusiast, and I'm generally super picky. I don't like things that annoy me, even if it is in the slightest, and I will spend a lot of time to get rid of tiny annoyances. How about yourself? I'm Daniel. I'm also a full-stack dev, uh, currently self-employed, doing mostly contracting, which is soul-crushing, but it, uh, it pays the bills. I'm a prolific time tracker. <laughs> I'm obsessed with self-improvement and productivity. And yeah, I, unlike you, I test out everything. I spend way too much time on websites like Product Hunt. <laughs> And uh, I will install every single app that I can get my hands on and try out because uh, I always try to take the best bits of all kinds of software and uh, combine it into the ultimate productivity suite. <laughs> the one to conquer them all. <laughs> exactly. I have to give you credit for that because uh, I found a lot of cool things through your digging through the piles of nonsense out there. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. You're my filter for all of the garbage. I am. I do see myself as a, as a bit of a curator of sorts. A lot of people do reach out to me a lot of the time to uh, to ask me for app recommendations or they would ask me for hey what was that one thing that you said you used and so I was like yep give me a second Just go through my database it's probably this but now I've changed it to this and this <laughs> exactly <laughs> so here are your five options and these are the reasons you should use <laughs> this one instead of this one <laughs> yeah exactly well options are good I think yeah. I mean yeah. I don't know I'm going through a bit of a thing where I need a some sort of a system for keeping track of documents but we'll we'll get into that someday yeah i have i've got i've got systems for everything <laughs> and um some of my systems are uh, in various states of disarray at the moment but it's something i'm i'm working through we'll get to that at some point <laughs> future episode maybe yeah well it'll be a multi-part series <laughs> <laughs> over the christmas holidays or something Oh, fun. Yes. yes. Uh, that's what we can give our listeners for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Pain and tormentation. Hours of comparing email apps. <laughs> oh, great. Email apps. Mm. Uh, no, I, I, I do not want to get into email soon. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll steer clear of that for a good while. I am, I am avoiding email at the moment, which is not good. <laughs> it's the only option at this point. <laughs> and I think... With you being a solo developer, having your own company and all of that, I think email must be even more intense for you because you sort of have to give out your email address for getting in touch with clients and things like that. Yeah, um, I do. But over the time, I've, I've kind of developed a system where I, I don't give out the same email address to everyone. So I have multiple domains with multiple email addresses at those domains. And uh, depending on... I mean, I go as far as for a event that I attend, I create a unique email address and print it on a business card. Oh, wow. So then when I get an email from that email address, it goes into a filter in my email. Then I know it's a lead from that event. It's kind of like um, 
uh, UTM tracking for <laughs> for email. CRM management for for life. Exactly. Oh, don't even get me started on CRMs. That's that's <laughs> I've a got whole no topic. clue about any of those things because I just have a day job, so I don't care. Yeah. So I I actually use a CRM to manage contacts and communication with contacts and and all that kind of stuff. It helps. Um, it helps a lot because it is easy, especially if you're on a contract for like six months and you go dead <laughs> um, and you kind of avoid email, then um, you kind of forget after a while, like who did you reach out to, um, which companies did you approach, and what was the last contact you had with them. So a CRM is actually very useful in that regard. That is actually an interesting idea because I've been uh, applying for different jobs at the moment. I'm in between being happy at a workplace, I would say. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. It is exactly that. There's so many opportunities and things out there. You just apply to a hundred different companies and you get an, a call back from some recruiter or some hiring agency or something. And it's like, I've got no idea who you are or what role this is. I just applied to a lot of them yesterday. Now they expect me to tell them about their company and the research I've done and would I like to work there. I'm like, I don't know. Who are you? You've got to sell me on this. Yeah. <laughs> it is an interesting thing. I try to keep track of all of that stuff in the CRM. Um, I've, I personally, I use HubSpot. I've used HubSpot for years now because um, it's, it's free and it's decent for what I needed to do. It has a Gmail integration as well, which is nice. So you can actually, from Gmail, when you send the mail, you can flag it as send this to my CRM as well. And it actually loads that message as communication with this person in, in HubSpot. Um, so that takes a lot of the drudgery of of managing a crm out of you know out of your hands it just manages it for you and also has a thing to delay sending emails so you can you know, schedule it to send at a later time um, which is useful uh, and then also canned responses so you can set up some templates uh, you can also use something like text expander or something if you want to but i've just kind of used the the HubSpot ones. Um, there's a cold mail template and I have a follow-up template if I haven't had a response in two weeks, that kind of thing. That's really cool. At one point, I was sending between 10 and 15 cold mails a day for like a month. I mean, and over time, that, that kind of adds up. Um, and then it's easy to lose track, like who you reached out to and kind of gets awkward if you're reaching out to the same person again you forgot that <laughs> with you're... the same template <laughs> exactly um and also on that temp template it's something that i kind of um tweaked over time so i every day i would make adjustments to the template that i sent i would change the wording and change the order of how i say stuff and stuff and then i would track the responses on, on which ones i got responses and then i would kind of favor the ones that i got responses over time so you kind of sort of evolve the template exactly because um the definition of insanity is to try <laughs> the same thing over and over again expecting different results right yes exactly yeah so um it was just something that i've, I've tweaked over time um that sounds a lot like the process i went through back in my early starting getting my feet wet with internet development and search engine optimization and things like that. I don't know how, but somehow I ended up on the black hat side of everything mm -hmm. where the motto was spam as many blogs with as many comments as you can. And me being me, not liking to do anything manually, th there's a lot of software out there which back then allowed you to do everything automatically. 
and you also do these kind of template comments and messages and things like that which you can just blast through thousands of websites it's really ridiculous and they even had tracking and things so you can see which ones actually ended up being approved through spam filters and things it's kind of similar i think that's insane <laughs> yeah yeah it was a dark internet back then <laughs> the good old days yeah exactly when everything was easy <laughs> all you needed to make money was be number one on google exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh half times have changed <laughs> Oh, yeah. Speaking of times changing, you worked at the same company I work at now. I think that's an interesting thing to mention to people who don't know us yet. Yep. But you left to pursue a startup opportunity, if I remember correctly, before you went to do your own thing. Do you mind giving some backstory on that? Sure. That felt horribly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... um, I... Uh... Uh, we'll 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 see if this makes it into the podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, but yeah, but basically what happened was um, I got I got swindled a bit. I was uh, I was a bit more naive back then, and uh, I a lot more business on on good faith. And actually, I left my job to to pursue a yeah, call it a startup with someone that I've known for a few years. Um, and this guy lied to me and uh, things did not pan out and um, everything kind of fell through that left me in a very difficult position where i basically i had to i had a month to get enough cash together to pay the rent and bills and everything and you have a toddler so yeah we had our daughter and she was about six months old at that time so needless to say, a lot of panic attacks later, and uh, yeah, it was it was a difficult time. Um, but then I managed to actually uh, pull one out of the hat, and um, I managed to get enough cash together uh, that month by doing contract work. Uh, pulled a lot of strings and and um, reached out to a lot of contacts that I've built up over the years. It is also worth mentioning at this point, at this time of my career. Um, I've been a, a .NET developer for about nine years. Yes. Um, so, I mean, I, I have skills. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I, I, am a, I am a professional developer. So it wasn't that hard to pull a few strings to get a contract. Um, and then it was just the first time I had to negotiate, you know, um, hourly rates and all that kind of stuff um, reached out to a lot of my contractor and freelancer buddies asked them for advice how do you position yourself how do you price yourself what to do what not to do um, ask them what they regret doing way back um, especially uh, my one friend who was a contractor at the time um, but he was kind of moving more towards full-time employment again his, his mind was kind of he wanted to get out of the contracting because he felt like it, it was burning him out. Um, so I got a lot of advice from him um, of all of his regrets and all of the things that he felt he could have done differently. Um, and he helped me a lot um, because I could basically, <laughs> it sounds horrible, but I could use him as a framework of, uh, as, as a reference of, of what not to do. <laughs> so he told me to do stuff like go in high with your... Uh, with the hourly rate, you know, don't don't settle for 
something because you're desperate like you have the skills you are a talented developer use that to your advantage they need you more than you need them in a sense really because you can just go anywhere at this point i mean the obvious option at this point would have been to just take another full-time gig that would have been the easy option i would have been well paid um i would have had to make quite a few sacrifices probably um in terms of personal life because i would have a commute again at this point i was living about an hour outside of cape town oh it's actually at this point worth mentioning that we're both from south africa right yeah, no no one cares about south africa it's too ridiculous <laughs> over here yeah <laughs> i i was living about an hour outside of cape town um so the commute would have been terrible um so i didn't want to compromise family life and i also when i left my company previous company i i told myself that i'm not going back um i am leaving for a reason everything kind of just worked out it was not easy i mean it was a lot of hard work it was a lot of learning about business um at this point i i also already registered my company actually at this point this was in 2016 end of 2016 and i registered my pty limited in 2014 kind of preempting that one day i will run my own company okay yeah so then in 2016 everything was pretty much already set up for me to just start invoicing out of the company um and And how long did it take you since you decided you're gonna go the self-employment route till you started actually earning money for paid gigs so you left and then you decided you're not gonna look for another day job you spoke to your buddies got some great tips from them started reaching out to people all of that was a month or two couple of months 15 days oh (laughs) okay uh crash course in business (laughs) um i i left my previous job well yeah i left on my birthday was my last day 30 september 2016 and then it was a week working for the supposedly new startup which tanked and then by the end of that month i brought in enough money to cover rent and all of our expenses and then some so that's pretty great actually i thought it was much longer no so it's pretty much three weeks in three weeks i I went from not having, well, basically being unemployed (laughs) to, to doing a, a, like three week contract gig and making more than my salary at my previous job. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Yeah, I guess it was, but it was uh, stressful. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt. Um, But, you know, you, you can do incredible things if you have the right motivation and at that point um having a a six-month-old daughter needing nappies and food and all of these kinds of things like failure was not an option yes Uh, yes there's no alternative yeah there was no other way we don't have any family close by although my wife's family and and my family are, are quite far away um so i mean we we were pretty much like alone and um i didn't have the luxury of failure i was i had to get it done yeah um 
in retrospect, I would have probably made sure that I had some savings put away. I do not <laughs> recommend anyone leaving their job if you don't have savings for at least two to three months. Yeah. Um, but I don't think... Well, I mean, it's easy to say this in retrospect, but I don't know if I would have been able to pull it off if I had three months buffer. I think it would have put a different spin on things. I mean, you might have just decided you're going to take a couple of weeks and be with your family for a bit. And then before you know it, that money is up. Yeah. And then you're back in a real crunch. Yeah. Because um, the, the thing is also like, I, I know I'm the kind of person that when the pressure is off, I, I sometimes uh, lose a little bit of vision. But I think a big part of that's been conditioning over the years of working in stressful environments. You kind of have to take breathers when you can in that kind of environment. At least that's what I found with myself. I mean, usually I'm packed with stuff to do, multiple projects, multiple things, and then you get a short couple of days where no one's asking any questions. And you know you can ask if there's anything to do and then you're just going to be packed again. But I think now and again, it, it is kind of nice to just stay under the radar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that was i think i don't know if it's a personality flaw on my end i get super i start feeling guilty or i used to feel guilty when i was employed if i'm not being an asset to the company 100 percent of the time i i started feeling guilty and i felt it's hard to explain. I, I get what you're saying, though. I, I do feel that a lot, but I don't know. I think it's sort of been my eyes have opened to how things really work. And I know I'm a massive asset, so it doesn't really matter that much. There's lots of studies and things that go into workplace productivity and things like that. And if the company isn't bringing their side, then your productivity suffers so much. And I think being self-employed, you can sort of control that better because you know when it's time to take a break you know when it's time to not take on seven new projects whereas if you're working for a boss they don't really care they just ask you how's it going you say it's good because you're polite and then you're stuck working for another three months not seeing sunlight right yeah no i i hear what you're saying it, it is true um but also um Contracting is also a, it's a bit of a double-edged sword in a sense. Yes, you are in control of who you want to work for and when you want to work. But when you sign that contract... You have to deliver because it's your reputation. And... You basically have a boss <laughs> and you have a project manager and you have someone breathing down your neck and you need to get stuff done. Sure, you can say, I'm not available Thursday, right? And there's nothing they can do about it. But you're not getting paid for Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yeah. Um, and if you have too many Thursdays, you're not having any Thursdays. Right. As far as developer contractor salaries go, that's a sizable chunk of money to pay for a day off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that i think that that's probably the biggest thing i'm struggling with at the moment is um i i used to be vaguely aware when i was employed i was vaguely aware of having an an hourly rate or hourly cost to company right and that 
but I was it was not something that was a driver for me. But now being self-employed, um, you get into this habit of converting everything, like every single hour that you're not working, you're putting a figure to it. Oh yeah, because it is more tangible because you know you could be working and earning money in that same time. That makes sense. Right. So how do you how do you balance spending time working versus working on personal projects versus family time? I think that must be quite a challenge. It it is. Um and so what I try to do is is time boxing. So I would I will dedicate nothing less than at least two hours at a time to a specific thing. So I would, if I decided that today is contract work plus maybe two hours on a side project and the rest of the day family time or something. So I, I kind of time box my day into segments. I also have this whole calendar system with two calendars in my in my Google calendar. Um, the one is called high intensity work and then one the one is called low intensity work so i block that time out during my day and i try to do the most important stuff during the high intensity sections that's when i'm you know more productive and more awake and you know get more stuff done and then low intensity will be more kind of admin kind of stuff or easy contracting recording this podcast or things like that <laughs> yeah um i kind of i try to split things up in in chunks because the thing is if you if you keep switching between stuff all the time during the day it burns you out it's just yeah it's just terrible yeah um and the way that i kind of keep me accountable with that stuff is with tracking all of my time my track 24 hours a day but that's that's it we'll go to yeah, that someday someday for another day but that gives me that gives me a um a rear view kind of um perspective on everything perspective of where my time is going and am am i spending my time according to how i set my calendar for each day does it line up a moment that doesn't then i know i need to make a few changes and that's either because i mean there's so many things that affect it for instance over the winter days are shorter actually affects it because you know it's dark in the morning um i don't go for runs in the morning then um because it's south africa (laughs) yeah um but now that it's summer now i do my runs in the morning and it changes my whole schedule so depending on the time of the year my my schedule changes as well okay Um, that's cool yeah there's a lot of stuff that that actually I take into account when I work out my my schedule, but it's also an ever evolving thing. It's it's not something that I see as static. Um, it's something I revise on a on a regular basis. But that's what keeps me grounded um, and keeps me focused on what's important. And this point, family is very important for me because of because having a two year old forces that focus upon you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, you have to be there. 99% of being a parent is just being there. So I'm, I'm trying to build a life where I can always be there if I need to. That's why I don't want the 9 to 5 and the commute and living in the city and all that kind of stuff. I want, you know, live in a place where I feel safe 
um, raising my daughter here and and all that kind of stuff so that that drives a lot of my decisions um, in life that makes a lot of sense and uh, something i've been wondering on that same note is being there i think it's just going to get more of a challenge as she gets older and projects get longer and more complicated and your beer gets more wicked due to less sleep um, do you have any any future plans for the company at the moment i know we've uh, spoken about you trying to put more time into earning passive income um how, what's your what's your plan with that and maybe do you want to hire some extra staff or something like that on a scale out yeah, so I mean, at this point in time, my thinking is just um, uh, starting a few companies one at a time. My current company is is not going to scale because it's too dependent on me doing the work. So, so this company was always just going to be a vehicle for tax and legal stuff. It's just a way for me to invoice and get money in. And I know for I know that the company isn't a company without me being there because the the clients that I have relationships with have, I have those relationships because it's me doing the work and me delivering high quality um, work for them and providing value for them, and it's it's a difficult thing to scale. And personally, I I don't think. Well, I know that I don't want to run a dev shop. I don't. I don't want to run an agency. I, um, that's that's not what I want out of life. Um, it's not what's going to make me happy. So hiring more devs for my current company and doing more contracting. No, um, I don't think that's in my future. What is in my future, I think, is starting a few software as a service companies. And maybe hiring devs there, you know, hiring a dev for a purpose to run a specific section of a company, you know, hiring managers, maybe uh, partnerships with a few people, co-found a few companies, you know, uh, I, I want to distribute my risk a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if that makes sense. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely looking at building a few things over time that's going to generate some passive income and that might be small things that might be big things it's but the idea is one at a time uh except for this podcast this podcast is going to be kind of a ongoing on the side something that that's going to run parallel because it's i think it's i mean it's something both of us find value in i think um, i think so yeah yeah, soundboarding some ideas off each other. Um, Which we do constantly on Skype all the time. So this might be more productive for both of us just ex- recording it. Exactly, because we lose so much time in the day. We can just... We've literally spent days where all I did that day was I spoke to you about some cool new thing that they launched and then we found another cool thing. Exactly. And then we had crazy ideas and then I went home and blogged about it. Oh. <laughs> So now if we can just put all of those things in the show notes and uh or in Yeah, show notes is fine. Things to talk about, Doc. <laughs> yeah, and we'll we'll get to it eventually. Yeah. We'll just... <laughs> I don't think we're ever gonna get to half of it. But... You know what? This is the first episode and I'm I'm already thinking we're not gonna make it through everything we wanna talk about. <laughs> I'm also thinking maybe, that. maybe like episode two hundred. okay good you heard it here we're committing to 200 episodes (laughs) Uh, i feel i feel 
I don't know. I think my chest is contracted. (laughs) (laughs) Kidding. This episode of Relatively Productive is brought to you by us. As you've made it this far, we hope you are enjoying the show. You can show your support by sharing it with a friend who might enjoy it as well. Thank you. So, um, talking about passive income and that kind of stuff, you've been doing side hustles for years. I mean, you've got a few projects out in the wild. Um, I think some of them actually currently making money, but at some point did bring you some income. Do you want to expand on that a bit? Yeah, sure. So, I've always been a fan of side hustles, mostly because I don't like not being busy with something because I find it hard to shut down. So, it's just easier working on some little thing that might bring value to some people and most of the time just brings value to me so that's one guaranteed customer i think my first side hustle that i actually got paid money for was slightly illegal in flashing people's xboxes (laughs) at that point i was in grade nine so i was probably like 15 16 i made quite a lot of money with that because i was the only guy in town who was brave enough to try and build a little thing to do it with. After that, in my first year of university, I got really into that black hat CEO and I managed to rank a couple of websites really high in Google with the referral ad links and stuff like that. So that brought in most months about as much money as my parents gave me to study with. Oh wow. So I could have pretty much paid for my studies myself. <laughs> So I had lots of free beer money, which was great. And on top of that, I met another guy who was really into gaming, but the university hostel VPNs didn't allow any gaming traffic. I went, I I can fix that super easily with another VPN. So I had a lot of buddies in the the gaming scene because I was sort of working in it for a bit. And uh, we set up a server... Oh, well, I had access to a server, so I just set up a VPN and I had the buddy in the hostel diagnose the client for me a little bit. And before you know it, we started another company. So back then I had two passive income streams and I just had silly amounts of money for a student. And I didn't know what the heck to do with it because I wasn't going to buy everyone beer because I legit worked for that money in my brain. And fortunately, I didn't have to pay for my studies because my parents were taking care of that. So I got into investing and saving up and through that money I eventually bought a nice camera and a couple of lenses and a couple of microphones and stuff like that. And I started taking pictures of bands, mainly for the selfish reason being in the front of stage and I don't like crowds. (laughs) And there's usually a barrier there that keeps the crowd away. So I figured out a way to get the coolest seat in the house without me having to actually be on stage and perform. I must say, you're really good at that, at uh, <laughs> wrangling your way into really, really interesting <laughs> spaces just because you don't like the inconvenience. <laughs> I, I think I've, I'm seeing a pattern in my life as I'm getting older. It's like, I couldn't get in there. I want to see what's going on behind the curtain. Yeah. And then I look behind it and it's like, oh, it's not that cool. And then I get bored with it. <laughs> Um, So I got bored with the photography as it happens and I started a music video sort of company where we wanted to make films and music videos but it wasn't very long. We realized there's not really much money in it but at that point it was far beyond passive income. That was trying to make an actual living out of it and uh, that sort of failed. I had to call it a day eventually and I started getting my my ducks in a row and buying a suit and cutting my hair (laughs) and getting a day job. 
And since then, it's it's been really difficult to commit big chunks of time to work on something passive income wise. There's only been one real thing, which was that social shard project of mine. I spent about three months building out a website on Azure that was completely multi-tenanted, enterprise-grade, crazy architecture, so I didn't need to do a thing, basically. It went really well. It nearly killed me building it because I got so excited I couldn't sleep, and that usually happens when I start a new project. And that was the biggest thing I've ever built myself. So there was a lot of getting excited about features and not sleeping. (laughs) And uh, I went to some startup chat thing here in Cape Town because I like to go to these kind of things that's a bit of a tangent but i think it's valuable to go to places where you're the youngest and or least knowledgeable person in the room i agree so uh, i went to that i pitched it to them in an email because they asked for submissions and i thought hey i can try this and uh, they approved it so they gave me a whole bunch of google cloud money which is really nice thanks google and soon i found the free access to the Google Cloud was much more interesting than running the actual <laughs> website that I built that they <laughs> sponsored. <laughs> so that project, it's it's still there. It's still doing its thing. I haven't logged into it in like six months because I genuinely don't care. I've been having way too much fun spinning up servers and doing all kinds of crazy other things. And uh, fortunately, I decided to start blogging about that things because I like writing. I think it's a love-hate relationship, but let's say I like it. (laughs) And sometimes some other people might find it interesting. So I decided, you know what, that that might be a a good passive income stream that's sort of hands-on, but also not really because it only takes a bit of time to to write it out and then it's just up there. And uh, in that process, I started releasing a lot of things online, you know, just as I do little bits and bobs here and there, I thought, hey, wait a minute, maybe I should put this on GitHub. And after I did the first few of them, I just realized there's crazy amounts of traffic on GitHub. So it'd be a really good idea to blog and then link that blog in the GitHub repo. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's been a really good way to drive some traffic, I think. Mm. That is interesting. I relate to a lot of the stuff that you spoke about and and always working on, on the side project. It's just that my side projects have never seen the light of day <laughs> i will change that don't worry um uh, yeah it always i'm always i'm always very very excited about a project and also no sleep working on it too much to the point of uh, i think i might die <laughs> yeah. um and i get it to a point where it's, it's working and it's good and it fulfills a purpose for me and then when it gets to launching it it's just like I turn cold and I cannot actually get as far as putting it live and promoting it and getting people to use it. And that's usually when when the self-sabotage and the procrastination and all that kind of stuff kicks in. And before I know it, it's like a dead project sitting on a hard drive somewhere or in a GitHub repo, um, private (laughs) private repo. (laughs) Um, And it just like kind of dies a slow death, which is pretty sad. It's um, such a shame. So much potential. I know. I know. It's it's just. Um... I do understand where you come from, though. I I must say I have tons of hard drive spaces with dead things that probably will never see the light of day because I was a way worse programmer back when I wrote them, and now they're just painful to look at. 
but not so painful that I can delete them because there's always that, that nagging feeling in the back of my head like what if you need this this or something similar again oh oh that's I know <laughs> that so too well yeah and you know cloud storage is cheap so yep. they're just backed up there somewhere yep but uh, I must say the the first big thing I released on github publicly was that .NET Core Elasticsearch forum bot thing that I wrote. Right. Yes, I saw that. It it's called Tyrell, just because the uh, Blade Runner reference was too cool to to not include. <laughs> but uh, that's that's once again. Usually, I find myself building things for things that I want. So it's a it's a weird thing to say that's the first thing I released, but it's built specifically for the one forum that I've been a member on probably ten years. And I just frequent it every day. That's it's pretty much my main time killer website is just going on there because there's a lot of smart people on there and they're all local. So you know that that sort of helps with knowing what's up if you don't read the news or anything like that. Yeah. And uh, the forum didn't have a bot. It didn't have a remind me function. It didn't have anything because they just moved the hosting to a different server and different platforms and all of that. So I decided, hey, wait a minute. I'm a, I'm a good developer now. Why don't I try and make something? And probably. Two weeks later, I was I figured out how to use the API that that forum software provides, which is super revealing, to pretty much index every single post on that website. So that sent me down a spiral of doing some data visualization with all the forum posts, and then I added sentiment analysis to it, because why the heck wouldn't I? <laughs> and uh, you can sort of see, I think... Last time I checked, the forums was averaging 0.1 sentiment, so just slightly positive, which is nice. I like slightly <laughs> positive internet people. <laughs> and um, I decided, you know what, this might be useful to other people running this forum software because there's a lot of those forums out there. And by that time in my sort of programming career, I felt confident enough that it wasn't a total piece of garbage and no one would judge me for it too badly. And I decided I'm just going to release it on GitHub. But obviously, you know, you clean it up, you add some comments, you do some some of those things. And I, I must tell you, I was really sort of panicky and anxious about releasing it. I thought, you know, what if this thing is horrible? What if there's some security bug that I don't even know about? What if someone tells me, hey, why don't you have unit tests? <laughs> yeah, what if someone moans about me not having unit tests? <laughs> And I just decided, you know what, screw these people. If they want to add unit tests, I'll add a comment in there going, hey, why not uh, create a pull request with some unit tests for me, guys? And I actually did something way worse, which is all of the the constants are just a hard-coded file. So <laughs> I just added a comment going, slash, slash, I know this is bad, but I can't be bothered to change it now. So pull request, please. And uh, I just I, I released it, and I probably checked that GitHub repo every hour for the next three to four days and the craziest thing happened nothing nobody cared about your crappy code nobody cared about the no unit tests people were just downloading the file and moving on with their lives and that sort of at first i thought it was weird was like what's wrong with this why is no one interacting why is no one giving feedback and then i realized i was that exact same person for the past 25 years i've never left a comment on a github i've never said hey thanks guy this is useful I've never created a wiki. I've never edited one of them. I don't care. I just get the files and I go on. Yeah. So so I think it's sort of a self-fulfilling thing where you're super scared you're going to be horrible at it. But then you do it and you realize if it's not horrible, people aren't going to complain because they don't really care enough to say thanks. I hear you. 
Yeah, I guess I've never thought of it that way. And it has taught me since then. I've released a, a couple of more cool things, but the main thing it has instilled upon me is that now when I create something, obviously first and foremost, I think how's this going to be useful to me? Because if it isn't, I'm not going to write it. I don't just create stuff to release it. I just create stuff to fill tiny little annoyances in my life. And then if I think, hey, maybe this is useful, I will release it. But during that development process, instead of defining an MVP, a minimum viable product that I want to build for myself, I do that. But also before that happens, I define what I call an MVPP, a minimum viable public product, which is the smallest fully baked cool version of the program I can write without anything super specific to my use case. Gotcha. So for example, with that, that blog, I the blog platform I released, I went, okay, I want a blog. It needs to have commenting. It needs to be a little bit safe against DDoSing and it needs to be super fast and it needs to look all right. So I built it out and it looks all right. It's super fast. It is, and I can vouch, it is super fast. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is insane it does everything that you would expect except it doesn't have a search because i haven't gotten around to it yet and i decided you know i'm just going to strip out the the specific styling that i added for myself because i couldn't stare at it all day for a couple of days if it was styled horribly so i had to sort of tweak things here and there i'm just going to strip that out and i'm going to put it on github and see what happens so I put it up there and in the meantime, I have added a whole bunch of things to it that I haven't added to the GitHub, such as the one that's actually hosting my blog is, is running that same exact code base, only changed a couple of the variables to point to my discuss and things like that, obviously. And then I added featured images for those title card things you see on Twitter and Slack and all of those. I added that. I added drag and drop image uploading, which I may or may not have released in the meantime, I can't remember. And I added, there was something else. Oh, I added markdown support for code embedded in the post. Uh -huh. So now I can just do the, the triple, whatever the key above tab is, that console thing. You can do three of them and then just paste C-sharp code in there and then it formats it all nicely with a dark theme. Because, I mean, if it's a tech blog, you're going to need to have some code in there. But that's that's specific <laughs> yeah. to my use case. I don't think most people are going to want to be tech bloggers. And it's fine on them. I'm not going to add it in there if it's just a useless feature. Because the main thing was this blog is supposed to be stripped down. I didn't even allow myself to use jQuery. So nothing <laughs> extra. Right. I like the MVPP term. That's, uh, that's something to think about. Because usually... I don't really think that far as what would what would a public version of this look like? It is a, a bit of a mental shift, but it's actually not that bad because, I mean, usually you would work on something for yourself until it's usable and then you'd go to sleep for the night because you go, okay, this is good. I can, I can use this tomorrow. It's a good base. And I think that's sort of good checkpoints to go like, is this, is this okay if I just copy this folder now and release it? Will it be all right? Or maybe another day or maybe another day. Because we both know how it gets if you work on something for yourself and it's just constantly, you know, I want to add this, I want to move yeah. that left a little bit, I want to add another thing and another thing, and it never stops. Yeah. So you have to just define, I'm going to build it till here and then it's good enough, it can go on GitHub. It doesn't matter. Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. I think you've um, 
I think you might have made some progress on shifting my mind on this. <laughs> yes, that's that's good. Right. Um, uh, I am working on on something at the moment that I would like to make public soon. It's still a bit too soon to talk about it. I think um, I need to I need to get my thoughts around how it's structured sorted first. But you know, I am an overthinker. <laughs> <laughs> to the nth degree <laughs> well you do like planning a lot more than i do because i just usually tend to ignore it completely i do like a good strategy session <laughs> <laughs> my uh, strategy session is do i need this yes or no yes okay i'm gonna do it no i think i'm i'm, I'm a bit envious actually my my excessive planning and strategic thinking about every small little detail it's it's a it's a blessing and a curse <laughs> yeah i was just about to say it. it's not all bad i mean there's a lot of a lot of good things to planning something out properly and i have learned the hard way multiple times that if i just took a little bit of time and planned this out beforehand i could have spent hours if not days of development time going back and changing things and updating this and that but I don't know. In my mind, thinking about something just makes me so excited. I, I think I'm going to forget about it, even if I write it down. I'm not going to understand these words I'm writing. I have to go try it right now. Right. I write, I write a lot of things down. <laughs> and I try to write things down so they kind of cluster together in coherent subjects and projects and, you know, interconnectedness between those things um, by tagging and, and all that kind of stuff because I've noticed that a lot of the time a really good idea you have at 3 a.m. in the morning is not such a good idea the next morning <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've had that where it's just oh this is brilliant I'm gonna do it tomorrow wake up the next morning that's horrible why would anyone ever want that exactly I don't even want it I tend to a lot of the times sit on something for a very long time because it's almost as if I'm waiting for a final missing puzzle piece. But when that piece drops, it's like everything just falls into place. And that's usually when I jump into action. And then it's when I go into feverishly diving into late night hours to get it out of my head and get it done it's almost like it's running away from me and i need to catch it but that's something that takes months to a year for me like it could even be multiple years depending on on which project it is that is interesting i haven't i haven't heard about someone working in that flow before we should probably think of a way to kind of wind down the podcast I think I'm just going to cut somewhere weird. Yeah.